the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Always right indeed. Good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. As we get underway at seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on a Monday, start of a new week, a very important one. It's the final morning of the second month of the year of our Lord, 2022. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a big week. Uh, big day today, too. Coming up in about a half an hour, we're going to talk with Ohio State Representative Nino Vitale. It's been a little while since we've had Nino on the program. He is... Uh, uh, he's got a lot to say about what's going on in Ohio politics, and uh, I'm very much looking forward to that. We're going to talk about the governor's race. We're going to talk to Nino about the Senate race. We're going to talk to Nino about the state of the ORP and uh, everything else that's going on with respect to our leadership in this state. Normally, we would have Jim Jordan on at this time, but he has a travel conflict this morning. He will be on with us Thursday this week for his regular weekly visit. So Nino Vitale comes up at 9.35 after uh, Nino... It's all you. It'll be all you. And, in fact, it can be you before Nino, too, if you get in and uh, make me want to take your call. 216-901-0945. I do have a monologue planned here, but I do, indeed, uh, take calls if the situation warrants it. 888-281-1110 will get you through as well. So I certainly look forward to hearing from you this morning. Lots of opportunities to talk. So Nino Vitale is our first guest and only guest at 935. You can join after that. Uh, now, I want to start our program with a very important monologue. There's a lot of things you need to know about what's going on in Eastern Europe and a lot of things you need to know about what's going on right here in our backyard. All of these things and what went on, by the way, at CPAC, which is really, really interesting given what we just saw over the last four days down in Orlando, Florida. So I'm looking forward to sharing all of that with you. But first... I would ask you now to do as you always do, to rise if you are a patriot, and I know that you are if you listen to this broadcast. Go ahead and stand up and face your flag if you have one nearby. If you don't, that's okay. Just go ahead and imagine one, but put your hand on your heart and join us for our Pledge of Allegiance. If you are a Brandon voter, if you are a supporter and a believer in the weak 
feckless, doddering old man who's weak in action when it comes to Vladimir Putin and Russia over the course of the last 13 months has allowed and enabled this this uh, horrific attack on Ukraine, putting world stability in jeopardy. If you're a supporter of that, if you voted for that, and if you... I will give you a pass if you voted for that, but regret that vote now. But if you voted for that and still support it, if you're among the only 37%, according to the latest Washington Post ABC poll, that still support this guy in some way, shape, or form, well, then I know you're not going to be standing to pledge allegiance to this country. Go ahead and take a knee uh, next to your favorite ex-quarterback. For the rest of us. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. We are absolutely packed this morning with information, not so much with guests, as I said, but with very important information. I want to start with just a couple of words about something that... um, I find amazing, and quite honestly, I'm a, I'm a little distressed by, um, and I'm a little bit jealous of the people of Ukraine. What am I talking about? The president of Ukraine, President Zelensky, as you probably know, has been targeted, as is his family, since the beginning of the Russian invasion. Intelligence got out that they were coming specifically and directly for the president and his family. Numerous countries, including the United States, offered to help him get passage to a safe place, to get them passage to a safe place, to get out of Ukraine or to be hidden in places uh, with support of um, you know, military allies that could protect him. The president of Ukraine said... Absolutely not. I'm not going anywhere. I'm here to fight. The fight is here. I need ammunition, he said. I need ammunition, not a ride. This was his response to the evacuation offer made by the U.S. and several others. The fight is here. I need ammunition, not a ride. There's something that I I was trying to discuss this with my kids over the weekend. We were talking about this. We got together at Hillsdale. It was parents' weekend. They have two of those a year. Love it, first semester and second semester. So I got up there with my my daughter, and then my son came up from Ball State, and we all had a nice day together, all four of us. And and we were talking about this situation. and, And I tried to describe to them that there are some cultures, um, some nations, and it's kind of hard to put into words, but that are different. And by different, I mean, we, we think we have proud patriots here when we say America first. And we do. And we believe America first. I believe America first. I love that Donald Trump, you know, kind of coined it that way. It's a way of saying we are nationalistic, yes. I, would, I, I apologize not for being a nationalist rather than a globalist. It's one thing to say we're America first, though. It's another thing to say all of us will strap on uh, uh, some, some body armor or, at the very least, a uniform. We'll pick up a weapon, and we will fight to defend our country, whether we're in the military or not. There are some cultures that are just cut out differently, and maybe they're forced to. 
Maybe the people of Ukraine living for the last couple of centuries next to a very, very hostile and dangerous nuclear, well, not centuries, but for decades, the, the nuclear power aspect of it, but a very hostile and dangerous um, heartless superpower like like Russia. Maybe they were forced to be this way over the course of generations. I don't know. But as I said to my kids up at Hillsdale, um, they're just different. The Ukrainian president is picking up a firearm and going to fight back for his country. Do you know who Vladimir Klitschko is? Do you know who Vitaly Klitschko is? If you're a fight fan, you do, because both of them have been heavyweight champions of the world. They're brothers. They're Ukrainian. They're millionaires. From their time in the ring, they're millionaires. They could very easily have hopped on a jet or somewhere and gotten the heck out of Ukraine when the Russians came coming. I'm not going to put my myself in jeopardy here. Both of them are wearing uniforms. Both of them are fighting. There are people in... And you know the, the other parts of the story because I've talked about it in Ukraine... The government issued 10,000 fully automatic weapons to citizens, all citizens who were willing to fight. The government has told men ages 18 to 60 that they can't leave the country because they are expected to fight. And they are doing so willingly, according to all accounts. There's something different about Ukraine and about the people there. And not just them. I'm sure there's, there's some other cultures and other nationalities around the world where everybody fights for the homeland. I'm trying to picture, would we have that same mentality here? How many members of the United States Congress do you think if we were invaded, how many of them do you think would pick up a weapon and go and, and, and fight to defend? Certainly those who have military experience would, I would imagine. Any of those who are still capable if they weren't disabled or, or if they're not you know, over 75 years old, I'm sure a lot of uh, former military would. But what about just regular citizens? What about just regular members of Congress? What about our millionaire athletes? The Klitschkos are doing it. I think LeBron James is picking up a po- uh, weapon and standing a post. Think he's think he's fighting to defend this great country that has made him a billionaire. Well, maybe in his case, that would be China. Uh, But do you think any of the other celebrities, do you think anybody in Hollywood would be stepping up the way the celebrities and athletes in Ukraine are stepping up and fighting the Russians? Or do you think they would use their elitist privilege to get out of Dodge? I bring this up simply to point out that when people say we have no business in Ukraine, they're technically right in the short term. And they're technically right in the small picture. We don't have direct interest in Ukraine. But i got to tell you, there's something that you learn about the people of a country like that that make you want to help them. There just is. And I'm not saying we put boots on the ground there. No, no, no. Do, Do not misunderstand. I am not calling for an American confrontation with the Russians by going in and defending Ukraine. Not at all. I'm just saying that what we can do, we must do. We should do. We absolutely should do. And this is, again, small picture, just because there are hundreds of people dying. Now, by the way, the other headline you probably saw over the weekend was that Vladimir Putin was getting extremely angry, infuriated by the lack of progress in taking major cities uh, in the short time that they since they started the invasion, that the Ukrainian resistance has been far, far, far stronger than they realized it would be 
or thought it would be, and this is because of the culture that I just described. The Ukrainians are ready to defend their homeland and will do so with their lives. But small picture, these people deserve our support. And I don't care if it's with munitions, I don't care if it's with money, I don't care if it's with food, whatever aid we can provide. And then, of course, not to mention the obvious, which should be every single sanction available should be slapped on Russia. Energy sanctions, banking sanctions, personal sanctions on, on Vladimir Putin. Make sure that he cannot do or spend anything that will go anywhere. Make him and his money and his power useless. All of these things should be on the table and not just, you know, we'll think about that in a few more days, see how things are going. They're trying to do a phased-in sanction approach rather than just slapping them with everything we've got right now to crush any potential national support in Russia for this invasion uh, cooked up by the, the evil genius, as he might be known, Vladimir Putin. And that's a reference to President Trump, who continues to be slammed for calling uh, Vladimir Putin a genius. I think we discussed this in some depth on our program last week, because it sounded as if maybe he was being a little bit too praising of Putin. But I think the more you listen to him, the more you realize he was being 100% um, uh, mocking and sarcastic about Vladimir Putin. He did say he's a genius for doing what he's doing in the manner he's doing it. But he mocked him that he should be doing it at all for obvious reasons. We'll talk about that in a bit. But the point being here, short term, we need to support these people because they deserve support. That's number one. Even though they're not a part of NATO and we don't have any obligation to them, I think, again, short of boots on the ground, we should do whatever else we can to support them. Bigger picture, of course, we do have uh, a real vested interest in supporting them. I was talking about this with a friend, a couple of different friends, in fact, over the weekend. You know, if you don't think that stopping the Russian invasion or making it unsuccessful would would be a benefit to the United States, then you're not you're not understanding the bigger picture. Because if we do nothing and they do roll through the proud uh, warriors of Ukraine and take over its capital city and run out or kill its president and so forth, and we do nothing, it's going to be a matter of hours, not days, not weeks before China starts the exact same nonsense with Taiwan. They're looking to see what we do. They're looking to see what the West is willing to do to stop Eastern superpowers, communist superpowers, from invading their neighboring lands and taking over all of their resources and their financial uh, their finances. And, again, I was talking to somebody about it, and I read about it, too. When you see China taking over Taiwan and taking control of the Taiwan semiconductor production, and you start to see laptop computers going from $1,000 in the United States to $15,000, as an example, you will see that we do have a vested interest in stopping world superpowers from invading unchecked other countries and taking over their resources, their industries, and so forth. It can only hurt the West. It can only hurt us. So we do have a vested interest there. I have some jealousy, I have to tell you. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't know any of them, but I'm extraordinarily proud of the people of Ukraine for the national resistance, and it seems to be you know unanimous. It's, it's, it's literally nationwide, the entirety of the population ready to fight for their homeland, not just hide while the military does the work. That's extraordinary. 
other developments over the weekend that we need to be uh, aware of, especially as it pertains to U.S. citizens. The U.S. Embassy has told Americans in Russia to leave the country immediately while outbound, outbound flights remain available. They're telling them to get out, just like they told them to get out of Ukraine prior by going into Poland, perhaps. But by the way, unless you're unvaccinated, if you're unvaccinated, you're not allowed. You have to stay in Ukraine and deal with the, 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 the war zone. But they're telling Americans to get out of Russia immediately. And I'm just curious as to why that is right now, as opposed to two weeks ago when this was all building. And I'm wondering if there isn't going to be an offensive, a counteroffensive launched by Ukrainian forces or... Is NATO ready to get involved and launch a counteroffensive into Russia? I'm just asking. I don't have any inside information, and I'm not even projecting. But it's, it's kind of strange that just this weekend they said, Americans, we told you before to get out of Ukraine because there was an invasion coming to Ukraine. Now we're t- telling you, get out of Russia. Why? Is Russia itself going to become a war zone? That's a, a very legitimate question. Uh, I've got more on this that I want to ask, uh, and I want you to be a part of it, too. 216 but I will take this time out because I need to uh, get into a couple of other things before we talk to Nino Vitale coming up at the bottom of the hour at 935. This is Always Right on AM 1420, The Answer. Nine twenty-five. We continue. AM fourteen twenty. The answer. We're just talking about the international crisis in Eastern Europe now and its impact on us here at home or its potential impact. By the way, here's another international question for you: the worthless, ridiculous, feckless United Nations, which is all of those things and more. I, I wish we would com- expel the United Nations from our land, from New York. But somebody needs to answer this question: Why does Russia? still have a place at the table in the United Nations Security Council. Russia still has a seat at the Security Council table at the UN. How do they have a vote on matters of security? They have invaded another country, a sovereign nation. Nobody is asking that question. Well, except for the people of Ukraine... President Zelensky retweeted his secretary general, or I'm sorry, tweeted to the UN secretary general uh, that Russia has to be stripped of its seat at the at the table at the at the uh, Security Council. And duh, does that really take a a lot of a uh, uh, thought to to really come to to that conclusion? Russia should be kicked off of the UN Security Council immediately. This is the same Security Council, by the way, uh, that blames Israel for 99% of the world problems. They always file uh, and vote on resolutions to condemn Israel for just about everything that goes on, despite the fact that, uh, like I said, Israel usually has nothing to do with it. It is completely biased toward Israel. We've covered that in depth. We've listened to and heard from um, uh, Nikki Haley, uh, the former U.N. ambassador for the United States talking about what they do to Israel. The Security Council is a joke. And the fact that the Soviet Union, rather, I'm sorry, Russia, that the Ru- the Russians can be at the on the U.N. Security Council is just an embarrassment. Okay, I'm going to get a couple of calls in here before the bottom of the hour because we have Nino Vitale coming up. Let's go to Westlake and say good morning to Vince. Hey, Vince, you're on the air. Go ahead, sir. Good morning, Bob. How are you? Thanks for taking my calls. Always. I really yes, sir. appreciate it. Uh your monologue was spot on. Uh, I, I, I've been thinking that same thing all weekend and since the onset of this Ukraine conflict, what, five days ago now? Five and a half days ago? 
Yeah. Uh, what would we do? What would we do? You've had two examples now in the past couple of weeks of people from small countries, people that are generally overrun by other people or that are smaller, you know, societies in general, Canada first, and now the Ukraine. And when I spoke about the Canadian thing, and now we got the Ukrainian thing here coming up, and mm-hmm. what would we do? You know, I, I darn sure know that you know, I can answer your question about LeBron James. You know, <laughs> anybody that listens to this show knows the answer to that one. He's, he's nowhere to be found. Um, but what would the rest of us do? And, and that's a, that's, that's a scary question to ponder. And, well, particularly I, I elected officials, too. You know, I mean, I focused on celebrities and, and and athletes and elected officials here because that's what I was, you know, most impressed by about what's going on in Ukraine with the with the Klitschko's and with the Zelensky and other members of the of the leadership. They're they're picking up weapons and and fighting the fight rather than just hiding somewhere in a bunker and saying, "Hey, military, you go take care of it. Hey, citizenry, you go take care of it." They all kind of feel like you know we're all in on this and. And I, I don't know if any of our celebrities, I don't know if any of our elected officials, uh, certainly any of our millionaire athletes are going to put their careers at risk. You know what I was reminded of by my wife earlier uh, over the weekend as we discussed this? How many Pat Tillmans are there? How many Pat Tillmans are there? Remember Pat Tillman, uh, Vince? I, w- I, w- I, wonder, I wonder if people know about Pat Tillman. You know? yeah. I wonder if they remember who he was and how he left an NFL career. Where he was making, you know, what millions of dollars probably? Or, yeah, I think uh, he, I think he had just that. signed. I think he had just signed in two thousand two uh, a, a new contract. Now people need to understand the contracts have elevated over the last twenty years extraordinarily. Of course they have. So this might not sure. sound like as much, but I think he had just signed a new contract worth about four million dollars a year at the time. It was like <laughs> a three year deal. So he left twelve million dollars on the table and quit his job with the Arizona Cardinals and um, and and uh, became a. a uh, an army ranger so that he could go fight in Afghanistan to to right. essentially right the, the the wrong of course we all know where the 911 hijackings originated where the financing and the planning came from the Taliban so he went to Afghanistan specifically to avenge uh the attack on America i wonder how many of today's athletes celebrities or other prominent people who have millions of dollars you know perhaps at stake would be willing to give that up Vince. well and if i may too just <laughs> You brought it up a little bit earlier, I believe. You know, compare our president to President Zelensky. Uh, you know, I, I love that quote that he said. You know, hey, I don't need a ride, man. I need some ammunition. <laughs> I need some some, some, I love some that supplies. Too. And, and to be and to be fair, so I don't just sound like a big jerk about this. I mean, Joe Biden is is extraordinarily old and infirm. He, I wouldn't expect him to. I wouldn't expect Donald Trump, if he was still president, to grab a weapon and go fight fight either. Anybody who's seventy four, seventy five years old and not in great health, they're they're, they're going to have a heart attack before they would engage the enemy anyway. But no, but I would expect Donald Trump. I would expect Donald Trump or or any president that's got half you know half his brain in in, in contact to be calling him and to be supplying him and to be getting stuff over there you know, uh, weeks ago, months ago, not now, not after the fact. Yeah, <laughs> because Lord, Biden, I mean, Biden before, kept advancing Biden kept advancing the notion for, for the last couple of months that we know Putin's going to invade. We really believe Putin's going to invade. We're thinking about what sanctions we can do. We're going to try to deter Correct. him. So, but if you knew he was going to invade, why the heck didn't you start arming the Ukrainians if you supported them a long time ago rather than waiting? It's the same catastrophe as we saw in Afghanistan, which is, again, probably one of the reasons why Putin decided the time is now. Vince, thank you, my friend. Great phone call. Great phone call. Um, we'll take more great phone calls coming up. But coming up next should be a great interview. We talk Ohio politics with Nino Vitale, state representative next. Always right on AM 1420. 
spreading the light of liberty and holding the line against the darkness of tyranny. Always right with Bob France on AM 1420. The answer. 937 now. We continue on this Monday edition of Always Right. Thanks for being with us. We'll get back to um, what's going on in Eastern Europe and its impact on the homeland here in the United States in a bit. But I want to focus more specifically on what's going on in Ohio right now. Ohio politics is getting very, very ugly. It's getting very, very nasty. And I guess that's to be expected when you move closer and closer. What are we, about 10 weeks-ish, I think, away from... uh, Uh, the primary on May 3rd. So when you get into primaries, you even have Republicans on Republicans. You have Democrats on Democrats, although they're largely invisible in all of this whole thing, and things are getting to be nasty. In the United States, Senate race to replace Rob Portman, and more particularly in the governor's race, to hopefully oust and primary out uh, the little Napoleonic tyrant known as Mike DeWine. So uh, Joe Blystone was on my program last week attacking Jim Renacci. Jim Renacci came on the program last week responding to the attacks from uh, Joe Blystone. And uh, Senate candidate Mark Pukita has jumped in in uh, supporting Joe Blystone and uh, uh, seconding or echoing the attacks against Renacci. Supporters on both sides are going at it. And a lot of conservative-minded Republicans in the state of Ohio are, um, are getting caught in the crosshairs. Uh, simply for their support for or their positions on this race. One of them is Representative Nino Vitale, who joins us now on AM 1420, The Answer. Mr. Vitale, good morning. Good to have you back on the air here in Cleveland. How are you? I'm doing well, sir. Thanks for having me on. So before we get into the races, which I'm really interested to get your thoughts on, um, I was looking at your Facebook page this morning, and uh, you talk about the CPAC of Ohio. First of all, did you watch much of the coverage of the events at the actual CPAC down in Orlando over the weekend, and what's your takeaway? Um, I actually did not. I really try to focus primarily on Ohio politics. Um, I saw some headlines and who or I, I mean, some general quotes and stuff, and who participated. I noticed Josh Mandel was down there from uh, Ohio. But other than that, I don't really have any comment on that, that particular CPAC. I mean, there's a lot of Trump stuff, which I understand, but, uh, uh, you know, I mean, we've got so many problems here in the Buckeye State that it's it's hard to even look, you know, when your own house is a mess, it's hard to, like, have your neighbor give you a call and say, hey, can you come help me? You know what I mean? <laughs> no, I do. I, I do. I I understand your point on that. Although I, I I was very interested in what happened down there because we we are Ohio, but we are also the United States, and our conservative brand is um, is going to be on the ballot in what nine months. Our entire conservative True. brand is going to be on the ballot yep. and uh, control of this country, which of course uh, means Ohio too is going to be up there. But I do understand and respect your point. You're focused on Ohio, laser locked, and that's good. Tell me about this C- CPAC of Ohio that's coming up on March second. You're going to be speaking out on Wednesday. Well, I, I can only tell you what I know. It's not my event. Uh, this this is being put on from some, I would call them, and I fall into this camp too, frustrated Ohio conservative Republicans, I guess you could call us. Um, you know, and, and they called me toward the, it was just on Friday actually, and said, hey, we're having this event. Would you like to speak? And normally I stick to things in my own district, but, uh, you know, things are so bad. I think my perspective is unique as a state rep. Um, uh, there's, there's, oh, oh, two handfuls, probably 10 or 12, a dozen of other reps that probably would, uh, feel the same way I do, but, um, maybe they're not as vocal. They're, you know, they're concerned about getting bills passed or whatever. To me, I think we really need to focus on some of the big picture items. And if that means 
somebody's got to be the tip of the sword. When you look in history, somebody is always eviscerated for taking the first stance against something potentially in their own world, their own party, their own community that they don't like and is going on. And uh, I'm okay. I'm okay with being that change agent and taking it on the chin and uh, suffering for it. Before I ask you specifically about the governor's race, um, I want to talk just about the state of the Ohio Republican Party. And, it, and I guess it'll tie to the governor's race because, as we know, back on the 18th, they had their little meeting down in uh, Columbus, the state central committee, and they voted mm-hmm. uh, to endorse Mike DeWine for reelection. Not by name, because I think that the leadership of the ORP knew that there was going to be a big problem if they asked the state central committee to vote for him to endorse him by name. So they did it as a slate of four incumbent candidates in state held offices, and it was 36 to 30, and and away we go. But what this means is the ORP is de facto giving a bunch of money to Mike DeWine and the others and the other offices to spend to hold off the primary challengers. Um, This is not a popular thing. Mike DeWine, according to what we know, has about a 35% approval rate among Ohio Republicans. Not all Ohioans, just Republicans. They don't like him. And yet the ORP is saying, we're going to support him and get him another term. How do you feel about that, Representative Vitale? Well, one of the other problems that you may or may not have heard about is they did not do a roll call vote. They did a voice vote. So right. we have no idea. These, these are elected officials. I can't go to Columbus and do voice, uh, voice votes on bills. And, and if I did, the people of my district would have no way of, of ascertaining whether they appreciate, like, hate my voting record. And that is one of the things that we should be running on, if you're an incumbent, of course. When you're, when you're new to the political scene, you just you tell people what you stand for and, you know, try to sell them on it. But this is, this is criminal to me that we can't get a roster of who voted which direction on this. Um, so... Uh, so then, yes, you're correct. Unfortunately, even before that, the state party gave Mike DeWine some $840,000. Um, generally speaking, uh, in Ohio, it's a 3 to $4 million bill. I hate to say it that way. But money matters in politics. And anyone who doesn't think money matters is kidding themselves. Um, it, you've got to have money. It doesn't mean you have to use it in an evil way. Um, but you, you, it's no different than a business who has on their balance sheet a line item for sales and marketing. Why do people have that? Why does Apple have that or Valvoline Oil or Ford Motor Company? Because they have to get their branding out there. They have to get what they want to tell people about their, their brand. And I've been a marketing guy for 30 years in the private business. And this is what you do with, with the money. Hopefully you do it right. I don't do negative advertising. A lot of people do. And, and people complain about it, but why do why do people have money, and why do people use the negative side as well? Because it works; it's effective. And if someday we may live in a society where people are more educated, but even our founding fathers—if you read the Federalist Papers—they called them the hoi polloi. Uh, you know, this is this is the people who don't educate themselves as well as maybe they could. And I'm not criticizing them per se. I know they're busy; they have jobs, and quite frankly. Maybe they say, you know what, I heard a radio ad or I saw a couple things show up in my mailbox or something on social media. That guy said he was pro-gun or he's pro-life or he's for, uh, for conservative government, you know, or he's going to support the Constitution and my rights. You, you, to a certain degree, thou shalt not lie. I, but that, I mean, my goodness, that's what politics has become, bearing false witness left and right. And that's the problem.
Yeah, and that's a shame that we have to uh, to deal with this, particularly within uh, our own party. Uh, it's you know it's yeah. Republican on Republican violence and Republican on Republican lies and so on and so forth. So I want to talk more about that now. We're talking to State Representative Nino Vitale. Um, I had on Joe Blystone last week, who's of course one of the primary candidates for governor, and uh, mm-hmm. he he again repeated his attack on Jim Renacci. It seems he's there seems to be an obsession in the Blystone camp. Not just Blystone himself, but his team and his supporters, much, 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 much more so with Jim Renacci than there is with Governor DeWine, the one who's got to go. Um, and he Interesting, repeated, isn't it? Yeah. It is. It is. I mean, it's all, it's, yeah. it's obsessive. It really is, has become an obsession. They, their, their number one target is Jim Renacci, not Mike DeWine. But at any rate, the uh, target uh, was, of course, the Maloney Amendment that they claimed Jim Renacci uh, uh, voted uh, for trans bathroom bills and so on and so forth. And I said, you know, you, you don't have any evidence of that, do you? And he said, yeah, I do. I said, send it to me. They sent to me their narrative, their their interpretation of what those votes meant and what they were all about and so on and so forth. And then I, I said, thank you. And I said, I'm going to have Jim Renacci on the next day to respond. Well, that morning, I got a massive text, a long, long text from the Blystone campaign, essentially telling me what to say and what to ask Jim Renacci. Any curious journalist would ask this, 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 and this. I didn't do that. Um so I am now on the enemies list. I have been branded as fake news by Team Blystone, a, a rhino, a non-conservative. I'm bringing all of my stuff up, uh, Representative Vitale, because they're doing the same thing to you. You have been known as a rock-ribbed conservative for medical freedom, fighting against all of the mandates, fighting against virtually everything Mike DeWine stands for. And suddenly, you are not supporting Joe Blystone, and you have been branded a rhino as well. Um care to respond to any of that representative wow <laughs> that's like 20 points in that question um yeah so I, I really wasn't privy to all of this and and this has all come to my attention really in the last week or so since the um you know i, I had a lot of people saying we would like to know what you think of the governor's race. You know, you've posted pictures of DeWine behind bars. You've asked for his removal. You said he's been unconstitutional. He's broken his oath of office. All of that is true. I, I, I all of that is in the public record. I've, I've put it all over my social media. I think he's been, uh, he's, you know, dereliction of duty. He hasn't upholded his oath of office, all that stuff. So what do we do about it? Well, a lot of people said, look, we value your opinion. You're a good conservative guy. We like what you've done for two years with COVID and, Seven years in office. So, all right, well, I don't like to endorse, but I'll give it to you the best way I can. So I put out a post. Uh, I did not slam anyone. I just said, from my 30 years of marketing, my seven, eight, nine years of political marketing, running several campaigns, um, looking at polling, being in know-how politics, this is the guy I think who has the best chance of taking out Mike DeWine. And that's what I want. I want Mike DeWine retired because he's been on, in office for 100, 435 years. I mean, you want there's nobody else who's got the career politician record than him. And um, so, and, and you know what? I wouldn't even care. I don't care how long someone's been in office. If you've been in office since Abe Lincoln, as long as you're doing what you're supposed to do and you're protecting my freedom and staying the heck out of my way and letting me do my, you know, live my life the way I want to live it within, generally speaking, the laws of the land and the laws of God. Cool. Stay in office, man. Just leave me alone. But that is obviously not what Mike DeWine's done. So, and I'm not going to go into all that stuff now because that's not really your question. So I put out that thing and I said nothing negative about Mr. Blystone. 
I don't know him well enough to say anything negative or positive. I don't like to talk negative about people. Um, I, I don't even wish Mr. DeWine ill. I mean, that's not my goal. But our jobs as elected officials is to protect the freedom and liberties of our of our community. That's initially what we signed up to do is to uphold the Constitution and uphold the laws of God. That's what I stand for. And he doesn't do that, in my opinion, so he's got to go. And I was a little surprised at two things. One, the personal nature of the attacks from people who've been emailing me, calling me, posting on comments and gabbins, other social media sites, and saying how much they love everything I'm doing. And then in one, one day, one post on a Friday, I am all of a sudden a hate and spawn from hell. And, you know, I'm Two Horns' uh, brother and all these sorts of things. And then the other thing you did mention is, um, this is about Mike DeWine and his record. Why is the focus on another candidate? And, and, and then also, why is Mike DeWine not talking about Blystone? And not talking about the other candidates in the race. And it, you know, it, it's all politics in the primaries are a very different animal. A lot of people like to point to the guy who won the, beat the president of the Senate in the state. And that was a Democrat versus a Republican, totally different thing in a general election. But Republican primaries or a primary election is Republicans against Republicans. And when you have two people in a race, 51% you win. When you have three or more people in a race, then the winning percentage is much, much lower. And while you stated 30% or so, 36% are unhappy with the wine, I've seen polls that they 30% think they absolutely saved their lives with what he did with COVID. So that's 30% already that probably are going to vote for Mike DeWine. And that I, I'm I, that's not a joke. That's how things work. No, you're right. And so you got 40% or so in the middle that you've got to use your war chest for to convince them. And well, that's well, you, why I picked Jim Renacci. I think he has the best chance. He also has a record we can look at. I mean, no offense to Blystone. I get it. I ran for the first time. I told people what I, what I believe. But you know how many people have run for office that I currently serve with where I've seen their direct mail or their website or their radio ads that they did, and they're doing the opposite once they get into office? Either because they didn't really believe that stuff or the pressure is tremendous. No, you, you're, really right. you're, 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 you're very right about that. I, I want you to get two quick follow-ups here. I want you to talk more about Renacci in a moment since you issued that endorsement, because some uh, on the Blystone side are saying that he only is picking Renacci because of what you said, that it's a 3 to $4 million bill that it has to be paid to win this thing, and nobody else has those funds. Is it just money, or is it a conservative record and, and a guy that, that you back for, for what he is? And then the second part is I want to go back to the characteriz- characterization you just described as being the two-horned uh, son of Satan or, or spawn of Satan um, by the Blystone team because you posted this on your Facebook a picture and a post from Blystone himself from March from, from March of 2021 that said right. great meeting last night in DeGraff true patriots like Jim Jordan and Nino Vitale excited to be uh, listening to these folks blah 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 so a year ago you're a patriot and like I said you have a reputation of being a very very strong conservative and I would concur that you are a patriot but a year ago you're a patriot now they find out that you're endorsing Jim Renacci and suddenly it's not boy we're disappointed with Mr. Vitale's decision it's he's evil he's wrong he's a rhino he's a DeWine supporter and so on and so forth that's what we're 
getting from Team Blystone for me as well. They're, they're coming for me, telling me that I'm losing my support and my base of listenership because I didn't ask questions of Jim Renacci the way Joe Blystone's team wanted me to. That's a huge problem for me. Mm. Well, you know, you have to do what you think is right, and so do I. And no, it's not all about the money, um, but it's about the campaign team that you have. It's about how organized someone can be. Uh, it's about not making mistakes. This is a governor's race. This is this is not county commissioner. Uh, this is not the mayor of a small town. This is a person who can appoint thousands of people. Next to the president of the United States, the governor is the most powerful position in the United States of America. And I cannot tell you how many people I run into statewide as well as in my district who tell me, look, I'm in, I will get fired if I did anything publicly because I work for this organization or that organization that's part of the state, but I love what you're doing. I don't like Mike DeWine. I don't like what's been going on with all this masking and magic elixirs being forced into our bodies and these sorts of things. And I mean, this just happened last week. I mean, I was in Logan County, and somebody in the Department of Transportation told me that. Do you think somebody in the Ohio Department of Transportation is going to come out when they make $85,000 a year all the governor has to do is say, yeah, that guy over there, uh, Jim Smith, um, yeah, he needs to go. And he's gone. He's fired. That's the kind of power the governor has. On that state central committee that you talked about, mm-hmm. I don't know, there's like 15 or 20 people on state central committee that have paid jobs, and many of them are unpaid, but what they don't tell you is, they're part of the Ohio retirement system. Even if you get appointed to one of these boards by the governor, you get to get on the dole of the retirement system. And I, you know, we've got a factory in Urbana, Ohio. We make brake parts for trucks. We're just metal benders and welders. We've got 400 employees. I mean, I don't know how they can afford some of these rich programs in the government. We can't. I mean, we do the best we can, um, providing dental and vision and health care and retirement and profit sharing for our employees. But Wow, this, I mean, I couldn't believe it when I got into office how, how rich the PERS system is, the retirement system for the state. So there are thousands of jobs across the state of Ohio that the governor is the direct uh, employer of. He says you're gone, you're gone. And that's a tough position to be in. So, um, you know, when it, when it, 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 this is a big deal. And I think for a number of reasons, not just the money, but it is an important one. If you use the money incorrectly, you could really mess your campaign up. So having money is not the only thing, but you've got to have a good campaign. I mean, no offense, but Mr. Bly, one of Blystone's campaign managers is like in, suing him. I mean, he's got campaign finance issues. Yeah. I mean, there are Lots some issues there that I think are, are, and I don't know the details of those, but if you're going to beat an incumbent, who has $9 million, and this is not a joke, 99% name ID. Now, that doesn't mean 99% of the people like Mike DeWine, but, but they, they know, know his name. Yep. You better run a very good, hardcore, clean campaign. You better be squeaky clean. If yeah, you no, think you're you, going to take out an and, incumbent. And you're right. That former campaign manager, Sarah Chambers, came on with me last week and detailed some of those uh, allegations in the campaign finance violations. Oh, well, violations you probably know more about it than I do. Yeah, then, it's, but, it's, it's, it's a factor. It is a factor, and I know that's a factor for a lot of people. And uh, uh, listen, Nina Vitale, I really appreciate you coming on, explaining your endorsement for Jim Renacci and your feelings on all of this. Hope you have a great event on Wednesday, and please uh, keep, us in, keep in touch with us on what's going on in the Statehouse. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. God bless. Appreciate you. 
All right, there's Nino Vitale. He, like me, um, you know, has always been considered to be a very, very hardcore conservative. But according to Team Blystone, he's a, he's a rhino. He's weak. He supports trans bathrooms because he has endorsed Jim Renacci. I haven't issued any endorsement, and I do not intend to, in this nor in the Senate race. Uh, but I have a problem with some of the things that are being done and the way they're being conducted by certain members in this primary fight, including certain senators who are fighting uh, in the governor's race almost as hard or more than they are in their own race. The Senate candidates, rather. Not senators, but Senate candidates. Okay, uh, we're going to go to news right from here. We'll come back, and we are guest-free in hour two, so we'll take all of your phone calls at 216-901-0945. Always right. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.